Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Remake Ween. We're on to episode number three and it is uh, September 20th and 21st when this episode will air. So we still got a lot of time to get through some remakes. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we got one more for the month. One more for September and then obviously we move into Halloween territory with October where it's going to get very busy. Um... We have a lot in store for the for the show, and actually, we're going to be doing a special episode in October as well. So you're going to get like more bang for your buck, and you don't even pay anything. So <laughs> uh, it's a good deal for you, that's for sure. Um, the Black Friday special here. That's right. That's right. Coming early. <laughs> uh, last week we did it. Hopefully, everybody liked that show. Um, really curious to see what everybody else had to say about it. So uh, definitely make sure that you write into us at our uh, you know Facebook page, Twitter. Um, at our email address, blood and bike rum podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about it, and uh, hopefully, you uh, enjoyed that episode. I can tell you that it was fabulous if you didn't listen to last episode. I know if you didn't listen, go back and listen to it now since you've probably seen it by now. Uh, so go back and listen and, and let us know what your thoughts were on the, the movie and how you feel like it's going to move into part two, which, spoiler alert. There will be one. Supposed to be, uh, I was uh, reading online, apparently they're promising it'll be even scarier. I would be okay more, with and, that. And more, and more gruesome. I mean... Which makes sense, because yeah, I think even still, in 2017, I don't think a lot of people would be head over heels with, in love with a film that was about child violence. Yeah, even <laughs> like uh, in, the, in It, when they have the rock war scene... It's kind of almost humorous in the fact that, like, pe- kids are getting belted in the head with rocks. And that sounds like a pretty dangerous uh, game all around. Um, it, Well, fun fact, you used to do that as a kid. Yeah. At least I did. We, I, we, I never we, did. We, I got we, hit in the head with a rock one did, time. It sucked. We did, uh, not with rocks as big as, because in it, they're fucking huge. That's, like, yeah. nearly boulder war. I don't, I, don't believe, I don't buy that somebody gets hit in the head and shrugs it off and they're like, Whoop. Yeah. Oh, I heard a little bit. Yeah, no, rock wars, acorn wars. Acorns, sure. They'll yeah. still hurt like a son they of a do. bitch, They do, they still hurt, but not as bad as rocks. Well, like I said, we weren't throwing, like, gigantic ones. Yeah. Like, you know, like, little... You guys didn't have anything better to do <laughs> than just pick up and chuck rocks? <laughs> poor, poor kids in uh, small towns, I guess, yeah, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you reached... Every parent has a threshold on how many times you come in and out of the house, and once you hit that, you know that parent's threshold. Get the fuck out of this! House. You're out. You you don't yeah. you know stop running yeah. in and out. Sure. And so you had to create your own fun. No more Sonic and Sega Genesis for you. Get your ass out there. Yeah, makes sense, I guess. Uh, today we're back with a remake of another film that we've covered in the past. We 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 did the original uh, film for Night of the Living Dead not too long ago, actually. Um, 
want to say like maybe a couple months ago, uh, when after George Romero passed away. And uh, we're back today with the remake. Kind of a thread here. That's right. We're kind of covering everything that we've we've once covered before. Um, so we're doing the 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake uh, by Tom Savini, and actually it is it was written by George Romero as well. So it's still very much in line with the original film. Um, almost sort of. Sometimes we you see directors and writers do this. Um, you know, remake their own films or you know try to revamp them a little bit for the time. And I'm not a fan of that. Well. Um, I think it depends. It, it definitely depends I mean, this, on what I they're mean, doing. And this, I think this is different because, um, you know, it's Savini's project. George just kind of retweaked the script to, you know, fit the early Com- 90s. Yeah, more contemporary. But I don't, I don't like the idea of filmmakers going back and tinkering. That's why, like, people don't like George Lucas. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah. We don't need you like, yeah. because constantly tinkering. You know, once it's done and it's out there... That's you, it. Yeah, Leave it alone. You, that's it. And you, it, it was done. And if you didn't like it, well, then you have a chance to go and make a different movie where you can adjust and, and make sure that you do the things that you wanted to do for the other film that you, you weren't as impressed with. And so when you have people like that who are constantly trying to go back and say, well, this is now part of the the canon. Um, yeah, that becomes a problem, especially for something like Star Wars, which has... Such an impact on Blade Runner's yeah, another one. Yeah, with Blade the, Runner, with the whole unicorn bit. Yep. Um, how the, basically spoiler? How you know that you know Decker's not an android? Yeah. But then you got you know Ridley Scott tacking on the unicorn at the end. He say you know saying no, he is. You know this is what he's supposed to be, and now it's going to make you know twenty forty nine. See where that goes. Well, I think that <laughs> we're t- the. The idea of remaking your original film and put it, putting uh, putting out a director's cut is a little bit different. No, that is different. Um, no, that's that's totally different because there's some films that you know could definitely use an editing overhaul and, to 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 make for a better film, or you you know. And to be honest with you, you it also depends with the director's cut on whether that was actually the intended cut that was butchered by producers or whatever you know and they said nope we're not running this one we're gonna run this other edited cut that we decided you know against your wishes was the the theatrical version the one that's gonna go to to theaters which but again that's another one blade runner's another example the original theatrical Mm -hmm. cut is not good right the director's cut and several cuts afterwards are you know good cuts well uh, one that really sticks out to me too is like pat garrett and billy the kid the theatrical cut of that is not good but peck and paul's actual director's cut makes the film to be a very good western then you have those director's cuts where not much changes you know they tack on like two scenes there's like like, a couple of like conversations and sometimes that can make for a different experience but for the most part it doesn't do a whole lot like um i watched manhunter uh, Scream Factory's Manhunter release. I've always wanted to see that. It's it's a good film. Okay, I li- I, I love the idea of uh, drawing a blank. A pre Silence of the Lambs. No, but but um, Brian who plays uh, Hannibal. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the actor's name. He's gonna be in Super Troopers two again. Yeah, I can't I can't remember his uh, 
this the it's the guy's Brian name who, who plays it. Um, but in that, like, I watched the original Manhunter, and then I watched the director's cut. Didn't notice the difference. I I was like, what were the scenes that were added? I I don't know what what was cut, what was added. I have no idea. Didn't notice the difference. So you have like stuff like that. Brian so Cox. I, oh, Brian Cox. Yeah. So I I think that I I think that director's cuts and remakes of your own film are a little bit different. Uh, well, I you're think, using the same footage, so it, I don't know. It's yeah, not, it's not a remake. Yeah, it's but, it's, I, but Night of the Living Dead is definitely a remake and a nearly shot-for-shot storyline remake. Besides a couple of changes, especially more towards the conclusion, which we'll talk about when we get into this a little bit more. Um, but it's basically you know a shot-for-shot remake of Night of the Living Dead with George Romero doing a little bit more tweaking to the script, trying to give a little bit more depth to it um for better or worse yeah for better or worse i mean because like uh, as we talked about in our episode on the original night of the living dead um a lot of that uh exposition is really like cut aside there's you know you you have that opening scene doesn't really have much bearing you don't really know why it's happening all of a sudden it's just they're visiting a cemetery at, at a strange hour of like dusk and then all of a sudden uh zombies pop out and and that's it and it's pretty much go from there uh, and you don't get much more exposition than that. Um, and you just see in Night of the Living Dead, George Romero, in the 1990 version, George Romero is taking a little bit further. Um, trying to give a little bit more exposition. Trying to, um, I guess, give a little bit more meaning to some of the things that happened in the film. And like you said, it's either for better or worse. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about that later on. Um, but I really wanted to just, in this intro, make known that um, this is a shot for shot remake and i didn't really know that because i haven't seen i hadn't seen the 1990 version of that neither have i i'm kind of surprised this has never really cropped up on tv because it seems like something like around halloween time like upn or the cw would be you know especially back in the late 90s when they were doing like leprechaun you know marathons and stuff like for halloween like this would be like somewhere make the sketch you know make the schedule yeah no i mean i think that it was you know even like now that we're moving forward and zombies have become a lot bigger part of horror as a whole, thanks to like The Walking Dead and for better or worse, yeah, for better or worse, <laughs> you know, it's surprising that you know the 1990 version doesn't get a little bit more airtime because now it is. Can... If I think actually with the way this film is, it fits more in line with modern Z- zombie zombie films and comics and games than the you know Night of the Living the original Night of the Living Dead does for sure. I think that like um and I think this like has part you know part to do of it you know because it's almost a prelude to some of uh like Romero's later dead films, but also yeah um really much more in line with like The Walking Dead. You can definitely see the the um the jump from Night of the Living Dead nineteen ninety to like Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead series, and that zombies are a lot more messed up, you know, um, deterioration-wise. Um, and there is more of a an action feeling to it. You know what I don't get? This is a little off-topic, but thought came to me. Why in The Walking Dead are they called walkers? Isn't that universe zombies, like, the idea and concept and the word itself not exist? Um, in the, in the actual, uh, comic, they do use the word zombies. It's, they're used. So I know, but it's like, a stylistic it's like, li- 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 literally the TV shows like walkers, 
Walker, Texas Rangers you know, out there, Carl. I think that it all boils down to something that, Branding. surprisingly, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead 1990 doesn't, I mean, it does, it does uh, touch on it, but it doesn't become like a huge, um, like theme throughout. Is that they don't want to call them zombies? In well, they the, don't do that. Well, they don't do that either in the Romero films. But that makes more sense. Yeah, like just because like of what's going on in the universe. But I mean, like what? Li- literally, because they don't ever ascribe a term in the Romero universe to what they are. There's nothing. Yeah, they say the undead. And it's, you know, that's only, like, during, like, news bulletins and stuff. Yeah. Whereas in The Walking Dead, they're literally assigning a term to what they are. I think it's because so they, it's, don't, so, they don't want to call them zombies because they don't want to take away the the idea that there could possibly still be humanity in them. Because that's a big part of The Walking Dead. I know, but and, we're and not people see- understanding the, like, the, I have to overcome this, this, uh, this guilt I feel about, you know, destroying this thing that once was a person because now it's not. You know, and they would be, they would, in, in that case, they would do better to call them zombies so that people could get, get over, over that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like no, like, no, no they're not walkers. They're just one, fucking zombies. No, just that's not your sister. Just, yeah, that was, that's a zombie. You know, right. Just, yeah, they would do better for that. But I think that's kind of the reasoning behind, like, don't call them zombies, call well, them walkers, you know? Well, if they did that, then the show wouldn't last the 25 seasons that's going to. <laughs> I got a feeling, and I don't know how the ratings are. For The Walking Dead, I don't know if it's slipping or not. Yeah, it's slipping. I feel like it should be because I've stopped watching after season three or four. I can't remember, mm. but it's like well, they're slipping and but it's, but it's, I know though from like following like from what you know just like the new stuff. It's literally the same fucking season except like in a different location. Yeah, and, and then with the fear of The Walking Dead, then it becomes like a a now you're like blowing through ideas because you've got two of the same show they're doing canna- the same thing cannibalizing their own franchise oh i see what you did there i see what you did i mean no it's true though they are it, it they, is true. i mean like yeah. they probably could have actually milked it like i can almost see though like i can almost see the wins like again we're a little off topic but it does fit with what we're going to talk about today yeah i almost can see like the walking dead being like simpsons and south park South Park, not so much, because South Park is still consistently funny, but everyone bitches and moans about how Simpsons haven't been funny in, like, 20 years. People are still watching it, though, for some reason. It's still on TV. Yeah. If it w- wasn't drawing ratings and making money for Fox, it wouldn't be on TV anymore. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's they're, they, they're not beholden to nostalgia. It's like, well, people, you know, would be really mad if we canceled The Simpsons. No! It's, you know? So I feel like the reality... Like, not reality, but, like drama actually live action tv series that's going to end up like that like the simpsons it's going to be the walking dead you're going to be like season 30 like why is it still on don't know they've been doing the same thing forever it's going to be but it's the still walking on dead itself <laughs> i see what you did there that's see, right look, we're all we're we're full of wordplay here we're we, punny we could be we could be writers <laughs> all right let's take a break and we're going to come back Got a new beer for you on the show, so stay with us. You're welcome. Ever wonder what happened to the actor from the 80s movie that you love? What about the director of the 70s splatter film that turned your stomach? Or how about the model that starred in your favorite MTV video? I'd like to invite you to join me, Sean Riley, the host of Second Act's podcast, on the first of each month, as we check in with some of the most memorable faces you've forgotten. 
to see what's going on in the second acts of their lives. You can check out Second Acts Podcast on your favorite podcast app as well as on YouTube. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook page for bonus content as well as ways to interact with the show. F. Scott Fitzgerald once wrote, There are no Second Acts in American Lives, but there are on Second Acts Podcast. All right, guys, so we got a new beer on here for you. Uh, we've been promising this one for a while, so yeah, drum roll, please. Uh, we're talking about Adirondack Oktoberfest. Hooray! Which is a local brew. Um, they're from Lake George, New York. Because when you think the Adirondacks... <laughs> you think Lake George? At least people around here do. Yeah. It's kind of right in the heart. It's uh, It's the hometown of the Adirondack chair. In the tourist trap. No, I made, I made I made that up, but um, <laughs> Albert the Leather. Oh, they, that's us. Yeah. Um. So at around Oktoberfest, we had it before. Uh, we had well, Martin had it actually at the location at Adirondack Brewery. They make a fine French dip sandwich. Yeah, they make a good. Yeah, you know what? Hell of a great French dip. You know sandwich. why? Because they put horseradish on that. Well, you're supposed to. They did it's it Browns. Delicious. Well, they did it at Browns too. Yeah, but they're both really good. I know. Um, so you had it at Adirondack Brewery. I had it on tap at one of our local brew pubs. The one. <laughs> the the one that we've got, and uh, we both thought it was really tasty. So we wanted to do it for the uh, for the show and actually have it on the show because it's hard when you have a beer outside of the show when you're not drinking it on the show and you're trying to discuss it and you're like, well, what did that taste like? And then you kind of get confused. So we like to have it present with us when we, uh, when we talk about it on the podcast. Um, but this is a, it was, and it was hard to find too, right? It was, I, just, I just saw it. it just it, saw it. So. It, was, it wasn't at a, like a grocery store. I think it was at a gas, one of our gas stations around here. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, not super easy to find it, but they, I will say though, um, the gas station where I got it at, they, um, when it comes to, like, local beers, they do have, like, like quite a few. Like, they're always one of the first, like, to get, like, the Jenny Pilot Batches or the Spring Bach or the Oktoberfest. Yeah, it seems like they really go out of their way to kind of grab those, um, those types. Druthers, both Druthers beers that I've seen, because they're based out of Saratoga, and until, like, I think just a couple months ago, they started finally making, you know, six packs and selling them at stores. Because I've seen them at other stores, but the first place I saw it at was at this place. They had, like, their IPA and their Ghosts, or the two beers I've seen in six packs. So they they really, like, get, you know, get the local breweries around here, like, often. So I wasn't surprised that it was the first place I've seen, like, their uh, Adirondack seasonal at. Yeah, no, it's um, it's good that they get that stuff. I I like that. I don't go there that often, but so I didn't see it. But um, it's it's like, and they like really try. They're really Adirondacky there. I would say too. So, well, no, that's the mobile down. There. Well, the mobile too, but they're, I would they're, say, they're literally. But, yeah, I mean, if you guess Adirondacky in the sense that rednecks go there, then yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. They got a uh, they got a new uh, video. Uh, sign out front that it has, just depicts a bunch of hunting. Uh, deer, deer, yeah, deer hunting. Uh, I say deer's coming soon, so they're going to be having. I know. In the fall, they have their deer hunting uh, contest. That was pretty fun. Yeah, I saw that today driving by. Um, 
so Adirondack Oktoberfest. The one thing I say, I was, I say, don't give, don't give deer hunting shit. No, I'm not. Uh, though, though I don't hunt. I love venison. It's a shame we don't, you know, have them as farm animals. Hmm. So you can go to the grocery store and just be like, I'll take a venison steak because it's delicious. So uh, one thing about this Adirondack Oktoberfest I want to point out is that they actually do call it the NYS Oktoberfest, and that's because it's grow. It's uh, g- it contains. 100% New York State grown hops, which is not always the case because uh, we don't grow that many hops in New York State. <laughs> it's not really a thing that we... we uh... Doesn't Browns have one of one of their beers? Um, it's all based out of like uh, local New York ingredients? Possibly. And I think, you know, Amagang is, a, is big on that too, trying to include as much locally grown uh, like Belgian... That- you yeah, know, stuff is possible. I think so. th- I'm pretty sure one of Browns' beers is literally like just like all made from like I think the barley, hops, water yeah, from it's, the, it's, the area. Like, I think like it's like an organic something that they call it to kind of. It's a big thing because like like I said, we don't grow a lot of hops here. So I, w- I wonder where in New York they like where they got them from. I don't know. It's probably southern New York. I would say. Maybe yeah, yeah I, would, I would maybe Southern New York something like that because we around here it's corn we don't, yeah we don't grow a lot of hops we yeah <laughs> we make the majority of the corn for you know your whiskey and stuff but but not the uh, not the hops so it's interesting so that's gonna give it a little bit of a distinctive flavor and I think that you know th- this Adirondack Oktoberfest for the most part it's pretty reminiscent of some of your generic Oktoberfest like. I wouldn't. How, how how dare you? I'm not saying it's generic, but I'm saying that it's very close and You're, similar to some of the other. I know. I know how. Had. If technically, in the uh, use of the word generic, it fits what you're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, generic has such a negative connotation. So. I'm not saying that it's negative. I'm just saying so that how it, dare it you? definitely <laughs> fits the uh, the bill for an Oktoberfest, especially ones around here like Saranax and um, Sam Adams. I think it's a very clean and. I think it's more in line with Saranax and like. Probably, yeah. I think it doesn't have the overwhelming like hoppy or uh, not hot uh, malty taste that Sam Adams does. Like that one is very hits you r- front and center with the the malts. And this one it does have a a malt content to it, but you've also got kind of a sweetness going on. It's almost sometimes a little bit caramely, mm-hmm. um, and uh, crisp pop bite at the end. Yeah, there is. Um, I I think it's really tasty. It was something. You know, it's, it is a little bit different than what we normally have um, as well. You know, it, none of them are always are, are totally the same. There's a little bit of difference in recipes for each. But uh, obviously, this is going to be far from like a more traditional German Oktoberfest. It's your, it's, it's definitely a, a more Americanized version of an Oktoberfest with a, a heavier malt content than what a traditional German style of like lighter lager would have. Yeah, I agree. I liked I actually I like this a lot. I think this is a very good Oktoberfest. Um one thing I'm not sold on is the labeling. It's like it's, it's I mean, yeah, it's like a weird papery. Yeah, it's that <laughs> it seems like it's a really weird uh thing to be upset about but the labeling itself and the, i'm more and upset art, about the packaging and the artwork and the packaging i think they could use a little bit of work on it i'm not a huge fan of adirondacks like kind of dated uh 
Yeah, this like, this bottle naturey. This bottle does look like it was like made in like 1999. Yeah, it's it's almost like what, somebody that, took what... an inkjet printer <laughs> and just like shot out a label and just stuck it on. No, it, and it's true. And my, my main, I mean, my only, I love Adirondacks beers, the bare naked ale, the dirty blonde pale. It's, oh, I love their stuff. It's really good. Um, my only problem with them is the packaging because their bottles have a lot of heft to them compared. I, I, just, I, think I think they're thick bottles. Yeah, I no, they are. It's like it's made of a heavier glass, but so because of that, the packaging just kind of feels like it's gonna fall apart when you pick it up, because the packaging's like a normal, just like six pack, but the bottles are made with such heft. Like you hit somebody over the head with this bottle, it's gonna knock them. You know, it's gonna knock them on their ass for a long fucking time. It's how heavy it is. And then I'm talking about, like, it's just an empty, an empty beer bottle. And you never know when you're going to need one like that. Mm, Terminator. Just in case you're, yeah, Terminator style of of uh, beer bottle. You don't, yeah, I, when I hear uh, guitars, Cadillacs, and hillbilly music, you know, ready to rumble. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I'm upset or not, time to break a beer bottle over someone's head. I do like that in, in um, like, Little- 80s, 80s, uh action movies where like everybody's just breaking bottles all the time it's like well i don't have a weapon but i've got a beer bottle yeah when you hear dwight yoakam at least that's what i do that's right um but no i really do like this beer it's got a very nice malt characteristic to it as you said it is caramely it is bready and at the end it has a very nice you do I I can't discern the hops, and as we've said several times in the show, we're not very good at telling you what the hops are, because I'll be, you know, I mean, you can kind of... <laughs> I'm not going to get specific, they're New York State hops. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't that's all it says in the bottle, yeah. but I mean, you know, so you, you know, it's not like they're giving you a hint, but at the end, you do get like a nice crisp hop taste at the end to kind of balance out the multi bready characteristic at the beginning and give you that crisp, clean hop finish. Yeah, I will say that the it, the uh, beer is is pretty heavy though, and uh, like I would say because because of that breadiness to it, um, I'm the, I'm getting full. Yeah, no, it feels like you're eating like a nice, yeah, like a nice loaf of rye bread. A loaf of bread when you're uh, <laughs> when you're consuming these. So um, that's the only thing. So like it comes in a I don't think it comes in a twelve pack. I, think I haven't only seen make that. six packs for the most part, unless it's like a variety pack and they make a twelve. I mean, but I, other than that, I think it comes in a six pack uh that's more than enough for a session because you're going to get a few probably a couple sessions out of that you're not going to be drinking all six of them at one time i don't think so that's a lot of bread hey, it's nice unless fall- you want to be pooping out a loaf later yeah, on nice folly day around the around the bonfire you might as well you know what else are you gonna do yeah maybe if you got a long day for sure that'd be that'd be nice I, I like days like that. Not the 90-degree weather that we've been having lately. Well, you know. I, I dislike that. Winter is coming. I was, um, we went to a craft fair and an apple, and we went to an apple orchard, too, to pick apples. Sweat, <laughs> sweating. Yeah. Terrible. Nice new, uh, upstate New York hobby. Going yeah, to a fucking apple orchard. Apple picking. Yeah. yeah. It's great. No, but I do not like sweating while picking my apples. That's Well, you shouldn't be. You should be wrapped in flannel. I know. And... That's what I wanted to do. I wore a baseball tee thinking, like, hmm, it might be a little cool out today. And it was oh. fucking hot. I know. Well, I wore this long sleeve today. And I'm thinking, like, you know, and 
I was no. actually the, the other day I was going to wear this shirt and I like ste- took one step outside, walked back inside, took it off. Like it was a lot hotter than I fucking thought it was gonna be. Yeah, not ideal uh, Oktoberfest drinking weather, but I'm forcing myself to do it anyway. So I'm not gonna let the weather ruin the best beer of the season. That's right. That's right. Me either. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Stay with us. Hey there, neighbor. It's me, Head Librarian Gavin. I co-head librarian the Red Light Library, that erotic-only library off 2nd Street. Yeah, you know the one. Hey, did you know we're running a podcast now? That's right. And the thing is, we're reviewing the worst erotica we can find online for money, and I've been reading about a lot of weird things banging lately. Like, I could just sit here and tell you about the snowman, the leprechaun, the psychic Utah raptors that start an orgy, the questionable lesbian with the applesauce scene that's really disgusting, and oh, the Donald Trump. Or you could just listen yourself. Use your favorite podcatching app or look us up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. We're all over the place. The Red Light Library. Search it, you'll get us. Now for why I'm really here. Can I borrow your chainsaw again? We've tracked down an overdue book in someone's car, and we need to retrieve it with, shall we say, extreme measures. All right, guys, we're back, and we're talking about Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 remake from Tom Savini. Um, as we talked about earlier in the show, written by George Romero. I didn't realize that at first, um, but upon watching it, you can clearly see how much Romero has actually poured it over from his old script. Um, some some lines are actually like straight taken from that other script, um, and I think that that becomes... Part of the reason why Savini's remake is basically shot for shot and pretty much throughout most of, I would say, the first two acts is very similar to the original film in almost every way. I would say almost the entire film is the same. I think outside outside of swapping some roles. Yep. Swapping roles in the conclusion, obviously, is, is much different. Um Still, it's still the same though. It's literally the same outcome, but instead of one character, it's another. Yeah, and then and then it goes a little bit more in depth into like human uh, action within this zombie apocalypse. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to get into that right up, right, you know, first off, uh, right off the bat there. But um, you know, other than that, it's very very similar. Um, some of this like there's this. It's not even like they swapped when they said when we say swapped roles. It's not even like they changed up the characters themselves like you know ben's still a black character uh this time played by tony todd so they didn't even you know swap out maybe some of the 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 races and how that was uh interaction between like characters because it's still the same type of thing wherein you have um harry who's the guy down in the basement who they they uh find cooper yeah Cooper! <laughs> they find him in the basement when they first get to the farmhouse. Um, that's still the same. The, di- the dynamics are still the same with, like, especially with Ben and Cooper's relationship. It's mainly out of the characters. The big change is Barb. Mm. The Barb old, is the one. The, the, the old famous Barbara. Yeah, I mean, in the first, in the original film with Romero. Especially with his writing, she did not have a lot to do. And that's partially because of the writing and partially because of the direction of they did not really want the female character to have a lot of, 
you know, action in the film. They, they wanted ma- Ben to be more of the the main hero. But it makes sense, though. It makes sense for, like, a, like a, if you, like, watch the original film, when she probably, like, 18... I would, I would probably, I would say older than that, but like, uh, even, yeah. like, even, like even early twenties, early twenties, I like, guess, like just, I would say. Like, I mean, just like the way, like the way she looks and kind of acts, like just because, like the, like especially when her brother's making, you know, making fun, she, and it's very like she's obviously high anxiety, yeah, and high strung. So her reaction to becoming catatonic and useless essentially throughout the entire film. It's not insulting. It makes sense. You know, and, but it, if she's gonna flip out at her brother, like stop teasing me with it, John. He's just gonna they come and get you, Barbara. Makes sense. Like if she's gonna flip shit over, you know that, and then watching her brother get his head caved in on a tombstone and the world, her world falling apart before her, she's probably not gonna be like, all right, let's gun up and take you know on the zombie apocalypse. She's probably gonna be sitting there and be like. I don't know what to fucking do. Yeah, but it, I, I, I still say that in Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead, in the first, the original, I feel like they still treat Barbara as sort of like the uh, Western uh, barmaid who's like fainting at every turn. Just like, <laughs> oh, oh, I've got the vapors! And she just, no, because then um, the one guy, I can't remember his, his name in Tom. the... Is it Tom though in the original? I think so. I don't know if it is or not. I felt like they, like I felt like his name in the remake because it's Tom in the remake and Judy Rose. I don't think that was the original names. Judy Rose, I I definitely think is not the original name, but I I'd, I'd have to look it up because I I don't remember specifically them because I I remember it like in Romero's Night of the Living Dead. I don't care that much about them. Well, no, they're, they're more li- so like well, no, uh, I literally fodder. Um, Tom in this film, I refer to in the original as, like, Golly G. Willikers, because he's literally, like, the stereotypical, like, 1950s sitcom Leave it to Beaver. Like, oh, Golly G. Willikers, you know, let's all work together. Like an Andy Griffith yeah. sort of thing. Um, I'm taking a look. Yeah, I, I mean, I th- I think for them, though... Okay, yeah, no, it is. It is Tom and Judy. Oh, so they added the uh, the more uh, Judy Rose to make it more like you're in you're in rural country because women folk here get referred to two first names, but um, but no, I mean like Judy because Judy in the first film, granted she doesn't have like a lot to do or anything, but she's not like stereotyped to be a helpless woman. She's actually trying to do things and helping Tom, her boyfriend, you know. I mean, like I said, she doesn't have a bi- like a very big role, but she's she's not like she's like fitting any like stereotype that's like, oh, see how useless women are. They can't do anything for themselves. Yeah, I mean, here she definitely has that sort of which in this one she in the remake she does. She literally takes on Barbara's persona from the first film, and because in this one she's fucking hysterical the entire time and for like no reason. She's just really constantly yelling and screaming like we gotta do something we, this is crazy this is madness sitting there hammering on nails into wood and it's just yeah i, I know <laughs> and, like, with a meat tenderizer <laughs> yeah she's uh she definitely has a uh a different character than she does in in romero's film and it's like they almost they didn't swap characters. They created they create a new role for Barbara and then gave 
Because, like I said, it's not like she had a memorable part, really, in the first film. Right. It's just that, like, so the... Though she... But she didn't fit, like, a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. I think, um... Well, I, I don't... I don't think that I... I don't like what Romero did with, um... With, I guess, what... what her Judy Rose in this one. I, I don't like how he made her into... Hysterical? A hysterical, like, stock character who really, she actually doesn't have, like, much of a role at all, except for later on when, um, you know, the infamous gas station explosion occurs, and it, it, and this is, actually seems more nonsensical in this 1990 version. Yeah, no, it it seems even more. It's literally like, like, these, ah, these fucking dumb kids. Right. Shooting a shotgun at a gas pump. To break the lock off. Well, not inherently a bad idea, because it's not like the gas pumps are going to go boom. And under they, but, pressure, you know. It's, it's... But they had a flaming torch nearby, so if, you know, if you do shoot a, sh- a gas pump with a shotgun, it will leak gas and well, spray gas. Well, and... So if you have a torch nearby, like literally, if you're going to like, oh shit, the keys don't open the lock on the pump... I would have taken that torch, thrown like a mile away, and like make sure nothing flammable. In, in general, um, <laughs> filling a truck with gas with a flaming thing around is not a good idea. So, like you know, even if they, it's even like if it's, they it's didn't like, shot the pump, it's like it's it's like Zoolander. Like we just had an instant gasoline fight, and then he went to it, light a cigarette. <laughs> exactly. Even if they hadn't shot the pump with the gun, you know, and it didn't cause a spray. Still, t- trying to fill the truck with gas with a flaming open torch nearby, not not a good idea anyway, because you're still just asking for, like, a stray spark or something to, like... You could literally have... I think, like, things like this is what's spurred on Animaniacs. Good idea, bad idea. It's like, good idea. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> like, cause... trucks out of gas fill up. Bad idea. Having flaming torch while filling up. And you're right. I'm even open to the fact that he used the gun on the gas tank to shoot the lock off because he's under pressure. You know, while the zombies don't move quickly, they still are coming. And, you know, you've only got a limited amount of time. You don't want to waste the gas that's already in the truck either because right it's now on few, it's, on it's, yeah, it's, it's barely running at, at all. So, you know, you've got to think quickly and there's nothing else to do. It's not like he had a bunch of like tools laying around where he could be like fiddling with it. It's, it's all or nothing. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, that's that's and but what I was talking about too with um with Judy Rose is that when she drives the truck up and Ben falls off the side of the truck and uh, Tom's yelling at her like stop the truck stop the tr- Ben fell off the truck and she doesn't hear a thing it's just like what's going on with this girl she like totally zoned out you know it, it would have made sense too if Tom was knocking on the window like you know like the back window like hey you know. Hey! Right, yeah. So I mean, just like yell, like I didn't hear you. It's like I mean, first of all, I don't buy that she didn't hear him while he was in the bed no, of the truck. She, that's that's it's my, my, that's just more her being hysterical. Like, oh yeah, know, she because they even show her when she's driving off and she's kind of laugh. She's out of it. <laughs> like, you know, ah! yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the first time she's ever driven a truck. Who knows? Oh no, they, they clearly state she's been driving trucks since she was four years old. <laughs> that's how she knows. You know, she knows how to drive it. But. Yeah, no, but I so I don't really like Judy Rose's character in this at all, and I I wish that they had not gone that route and just you know if they were gonna make Barbara a strong character, they might as well have just made at least Judy Rose comp- competent <laughs> and you know able to do things because, uh, 
right now, like her role is very limited and she, it's, it's almost more ridiculous to have her be totally hysterical while they're trying to fill the gas tank. Well, at the same time, they're fitting, like they're filling two at this point in horror cinema, two character archetypes, like a screaming, screaming woman. Mm Got to have a screaming woman throughout, you know? True. And a the hero woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the final girl. Gotta ha- yeah, the final yeah. girl heroine, which I think doesn't work to this film's benefit at all now that Barbara's been put up on the pedestal. Why do you, why do you say that? That doesn't work. It, because it's it's not, one, it's not original to be like, okay, you know. Again, she goes from, like, again... Because in the beginning, it's the same thing. She's being teased by her brother Johnny, and she's acting fucking overly dramatic about it for no reason. Like right. anything that a normal person like Johnny, like shut the fuck up. Right, you're being an idiot. Yeah, and but she's like, stop it, stop. Yeah, it's it's and, actually- and then by like midway through the film, she's fucking Annie Oakley with a you know Winchester thirty thirty, like ah oh, yeah, picking zombies off from a mile away. It's like oh, well, this is almost like Romero. Uh, picking up from Dawn of the Dead because that that occurs in Dawn of the Dead too. But it makes sense in Dawn of the Dead because that's all month- she has to do. Yeah. Well, no, and months and months upon months have passed throughout the film, so it makes sense for Fran to learn how to fly, to shoot, and you know do all those things because literally a huge you don't know the exact time gap between the entire film, but it's literally months have taken place. So it makes sense for her to be able to do these things, right? I mean, and this it's literally. Like, well, yeah, she, you know, it well, it's been like six hours. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I but I think that this is like Romero learning a little bit from some of his other films and and kind of cribbing from them too because, um, it actually like almost preludes to some of the other ones because like we see towards the end of the film there's like a zombie uh human fight you know like a wrestling match that's that's like almost like a betting match and that's that's almost like a prelude to Land of the Dead which would. But at the same time, like, like as, as, as it is, you're right, it is, because that's something you do see in Land. What you see in Dawn and Day do, pre, like, you know, foreshadow, like, something like that. That's true, because also in Day, you know, you have that sort of... Um, They're dealing with... Sci- design- yeah. Yeah, there's like a, uh, almost like a scientific um, breakthrough for them. It's like, well, what can we do with the zombies Well, now? we can't cure it, so let's, you know, let's yeah. train, you know. Exactly, and- like... When when you have when you have a uh, menial labor, you're always going to have that push to like figure out. Well, how can we have something else do it? <laughs> uh, and in that in th- in that case, it's like it's zombies. You know, how can we have something that's already pretty much a slave to itself has to feed like constantly or or is driven by hunger? How can we have that do some jobs for us? You know, that'd be great, right? You know, maybe we can turn this zombie apocalypse around. Um, <laughs> But yeah, in this one, it's more so like for sport, and I think like we we see that more as Romero gets more into the whole politics of zombies and and his more elaborate metaphors, and uh, it starts to become more of a comment on humanity as a whole. I mean, the, the, that whole end bit is much is we've also already seen Dawn, except you know, kind of blown up a little bit more of like the whole rednecks having you know their fun tracking down shooting the zombies and hunting them and you know 
Yeah, and this and this it's literally like let's just do that and then we'll add a pig roast. It's kind <laughs> of um interesting to see this too because we have to kind of treat this remake as though because it is consider it's it's a prequel to Dawn even though it's a remake in the 1990s it was made after Dawn and Day and yet it was before land you know and 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 yeah it's supposed to take place before those we have to treat it kind of like a prelude to those so do you think this is romero kind of you know jumping back a little bit and saying like well you know things kind of spiraled from night of the living dead when i first made it so let's kind of try to take things back to make them lead into dawn a little bit better than night of the living dead does because there's not like when we think of night of the living dead from the 1960s and then dawn of the dead way later little connection th- yeah there's not that much connection in between the two and some some things really just don't match up but at the same time that's i think that's, that's consistent throughout all the films like again yeah. and this one one of the things they use is the fear of fire from zombies mm-hmm. which is prevalent in the original that's true. It's something that never sticks throughout. Yeah, that's not that's not really. Yeah, this that is surprising because if Romero was doing that and he was kind of trying to retcon some stuff and say like, well, you know, if I was going to make this now and trying to tie it to dawn and day, I wouldn't use the flame, right? You but know? I mean, but at the same time, it, it, you can make it make sense in the sense like at the beginning because it's the beginning of the outbreak. Maybe like, maybe like, they were fearful. Of they flame. were fearful. But then, as we see in land, how they they used fireworks to distract them by the end of the film doesn't work anymore. Right. Because you have the one, as I call, Sergeant Black dude, yeah. you know, yeah. lead zombie right. of land, who is, you know, learns to fire the gun and, you know, is leading these, this giant cohort of zombies. You know, by, in the beginning, the fireworks, you know, they, you know, oh, they get tricked by, but by the end, it's, you know, he convinces them it doesn't work on them. That, you know, it's not needed. So, I mean, yeah, I can understand, like, maybe throughout time, like, they learn, the zombies learn that, like, hey, we don't have to be afraid of fire. But at the same time, there's nothing real, there's nothing connecting the films that suggests, like, you see that. At least in Land, you do see that, you know, them learn from that. So, and especially seeing it as Dawn is literally taking place at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Right. And then several months pass you know it's not like yeah. you can you can you could argue dawn is literally starting at the same point as night yeah based in, Be- i mean it pretty much is yeah so, you know so yeah it's kind of interesting the, the, though the, the, con- the continuity of these films is so fucking scattershot yeah it's it's it, for me at least and i am a continuity whore i like things to have continuity and flu- you know fluidity and make sense but i mean with something like this, I've accepted that, like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you take it for what it is and, like, holes in that kind of stuff, like, you just have, you have to accept. I just, Other, otherwise, you'll be sitting around fucking forever, you know. Yeah, I mean, I do find it interesting, though, that this is sort of um, part of that, of Romero's idea of evolution for zombies. You know, it. we do kind of see that. We, you can read it like that. I, I, it's part of him, I think, leading up to the next era of his filmmaking. And while I don't really enjoy much of that new era of Romero filmmaking, like 
land and i, I mean I, I think land's okay i, w- I would say you even yeah. haven't seen diary yet right and i haven't seen diary that's but what I, we we're gonna have to but do I, that for the podcast I, I hated survival um but i would say like it's kind of interesting to see the the evolution for him of figuring out like where can i go next with these zombies like what can i what can i do with them you know, we've, or we've already done some of the the classic tropes of what what i you know helped create with zombies uh what can we do next we kind of see that with Night of the Living Dead since it comes it comes later, you know, for nineteen ninety, and um, I think also because of Tom Savini being a huge part of this film, we also have a much more uh, explicit use of like violence and gore effects. Well, if you're going to remake this film, you you might as well. This is know. literally why you're remaking this film. I, I otherwise, so. otherwise, there's no point in remaking this film. Because if there's anything that you, I mean, you know, if there's anything you can hold against the original, it is not aged well. In the sense of being scary, frightening, and with its effects. I think and, that and, and, and I'm not holding that. I will never hold that against the film. Because I, I, when I watch films and you know. TV and anime, whatever. I kind of base it on you know more of the merits of the time, right? You know, I'm not gonna hold the original 1973 Lupin the Third for having what would be considered now not great animation because it's made in 1970. It just doesn't make sense. So you yeah. can't you can't hold it to you know right. you know in that sense you like I mean like a story wise sense and like characters you can hold it to like a modern standard. But like seeing things in production, you can't. You can't like you know films that were made in the twenties. You can't be mad that they're silent, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know you may not like it, but you can't. You literally can't be like, well, it's a shit film because it's just like, well, then don't bother watching. Yeah, yeah. So with Night of the Living Dead, as much the original, as much as I love it and think it's great, in a sense, I can totally see why. And I'm not, and, and I said before, I'm not really the biggest fan of remakes because I, I think you should really kind of enjoy films for what and things for what they are during the time. But if, if there's a film that's like, I would say that's not going to offend me as much at, for a remake, Night of the Living Dead's one of them because the, the limitations of the time period, and not only that, the budget that Romero had for that film really make if you like if you're like 40 years old and you're gonna show this like your child like hey this is one of my favorite films you know as a kid they watch it they're gonna be like what the fuck's so amazing right what was so scary what or like what and then you're gonna have to lecture them on like you know the point and then what you lost them yeah because what 14 year old's gonna sit there and like oh i thanks dad thanks mom you know you you've opened you know yeah right so i i can see this film totally benefiting from a modernization. Um, I think that like the modernization here helps the film because in the original, sometimes it's difficult to figure out like, well, are they actually a zombie? Because there's not a lot of makeup Science. effects or yeah, like special effects to actually cue you in and like, it's, oh, it, they're actually dead. If they're slightly paler. Right, and that's and which is and, hard, which is harder to tell because it's in black and white too, and sometimes shambling. Which, 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 even for 1968, you know, right, a it black was, and white film is really a sign of like you couldn't afford Technicolor. Exactly, <laughs> and and I think you know that helps here because right from the beginning, even though the zombie 
that happens in the cemetery with um, Barb and Johnny, even though that's you can see it shambling and you can see it from a distance, there's still that there's still a, a from the distance you can you can't really see. Is it like a actual zombie or is it a person or you know what's going on with that? So you have the the variety of like did they recently die? So they might not be as decayed. And you get the and you get the false uh, red herring and intro too you see the old man shambling by but he's not a zombie he's been like injured in the head right and he doesn't he doesn't know what's going on it, it works well and because... then they then they then they jump ske- you know scared to an actual zombie you get you you get the a better feeling of what's happening um and you know okay this this thing is a zombie because it's decaying, that makes sense to me. And it's in color, <laughs> and it's and it's in color as well. I think Tom Savini's effects are really good here. Um, you know, especially for, yeah, you know, for most of the more of the decaying zombie effects. I, I would say it's not as good as Day, but I, I think that has more to do with budget too. Could be Day did have probably a better budget for its time than this. Because Day's got Day has really good effects, like really good effects yeah they do i think that though in this film because it's working off of romero's original ideas they stick closer they, to they stick closer yeah. to the ideas so it's not you know it's the the ultra violent nature of it's the t- film is, is really toned down yeah. compared to something like dawn or day in that they get more gruesome from night and so they wanted to kind of go back to basics and there's not a lot which of, which again i'm fine with and i think and i do think that his the effects. I don't know if he's was because he's directing the film. I don't know if he's leading the effects in this too, or if he just hired somebody that you know he knew would do a good job. I don't know how much input he had, like when he was doing the effects. Yeah, I would say that he probably you know if he, I would imagine you know because that's his, you know his main trade is yeah he's not listed as part of the effects team, but I would assume that he probably had. A lot of say on like what they. Should, I don't think know, that looks good. Like, so you know, <laughs> or, like, or like you know what they should do. But anyhow, whether he had whether he, whatever his influence may have been on the effects for this, I do think they're very good. I do. I do think part of this film's appeal and charm is the effects for it. Just updating them. Because again, like I said, if you're going to do a remake of this film, the whole purpose of it has to be to make it look more ingrained and believable than the original ever could have. I think the they were using chocolate syrup in the fucking original to, you know, like as blood effects. Right. You can't do that in color. So like, so, and again, this is made in 1990. So it's even better. Cause we're not going to have CGI. It has to be practical too. Right. We're like, we're so, like 20 years later. So it makes sense to want to update it a little bit to give it more of a modern feel and to obviously relate to the times where things were a little bit more violent than they they were at that at that time um so it works i think it works the only thing that i think that tom's the the effects with tom savini's film detract from is because we see some of the more violent aspects of the film so early the scene that really sticks out to me in night of the living dead in the original is when they actually when they go upstairs and see the, the the grisly aftermath of a body that's on the on the the top floor the second floor of the, they never the get farmhouse. To, you, know, you never really get to see it's just like legs and some you just kind of get the idea of what happened and you you do I think you see a face too you see like the the face really quick of just like oh that looks no that looks bad 
Uh, so that is like kind of a shock in Night of the Living Dead because it, it does have that violent nature to it that you don't get as much in the beginning of the film. Here, there is the same thing occurs, although I think the effect is kind of broken because we've already seen stuff like that before. So it's not as it's not as jarring as that other one. But I, for, for, other than that, I think the use of more violent effects of gore. Um, it really works here. And even so, when we talk about gore... It's tame. It's tame in comparison, again, to Dawn of the Dead and, and Day of the Dead. There's not a lot of, like, flesh eating, per se. It's only that, like, one uh, one part, which is the, one of the main parts from near the end of the night, where you see, you know, them feasting on, you know, like, bones and stuff. Like, right. They, that's, like... Which, by the way, kind of get off track, talk about, like, se- score for a second... The whole score for this film, I feel like, is literally based off that one scene at night. Because the one kind of synthy part, synthy part score to the original night, just kind of kind of revolutionary. Because 1968, a lot of a lot of people aren't using synthesizers then. Mm-hmm. Is like the part when they're eating. You know, you see the zombies eating the flesh and the meat, and you have that just like boom, boom. You know, throughout that like little you know two minute scene, and it feels like because the rest of that film is literally like just canned stock you know nineteen fifties esque like sci fi you know orchestral scores and stings, where in this film the the score really feels like they took that is you as like a fan of noise like literally just took that like part of the score from the original film and focused on that and made that kind of synth sting and just made it resonate throughout the entire film and i actually love that because that's like actually one of my favorite parts and the original night of the living dead is when you see them like the zombies shambling and you hear that score and then like it focuses on like some of the zombies and they're eating like the flesh after the traumatic you know gas station explosion and death of tom and judy because of stupidity and shit like that and you get to see that it's really cool i think it works in this film like taking that like taking one of the strengths of the original and then, like, putting it in this film and then changing it and stretching it enough to make it into something unique and enjoyable and new. Yeah, I think they do that quite a bit. And they take some of the old stock music that was used in Night of the Living Dead, and I think they try to update it a little bit. They give it more of a synth tone to it that they they allow to, like I said, update the score... But still keeping it within roots, within the realm of you know the original Night of the Living Dead. I think that's another important thing that we haven't talked about yet is that because this film does have George Romero at the script helm, and obviously Tom Savini has worked closely with Romero previously, this does not feel like a remake just to do it, just for money purposes, you know, just to. make money off of the the title alone it does feel like a work that isn't is intentionally made to better the product and i think that's important because otherwise it could feel like a cash grab it could and i don't think it does you know while it's a shot for shot remake while the script pretty much shares a lot of the same uh themes and and ideas that the original had it does feel like this is a, a work of love. 
and that, that makes it more enjoyable than I think even it could be if it if it didn't have Romero at the helm or if it had you know someone else besides Tom Savini directing. I don't think that this film is as successful as the original Night of the Living Dead. I think that it does have some moments where it could use a bit better pacing because if we're talking about updating, um, this film does use a lot of the same pacing as the original Night of the Living Dead. And that's, I find sometimes not, it's it's kind of a negative aspect because Night of the Living Dead does have a lot of slower moments to it, right? I mean, it has a lot of conversations and dialogue that slow the pacing down. And a lot of moments where they're the the characters are just kind of like boarded up in in rooms or trying to put doors up on windows so that the zombies can't break through that's kind of they're kind of slower moments and night of the living dead the 1990 version copies those i i don't i think they could have gone a little bit further than that and, and added some action to these scenes rather than copying the original it's it's literally like they just took the the original and kind of like we can spice it up and make it more edgy by adding fuck and like bullshit because it's, it's literally you know they're taking those like same expositional scenes from the original and then just kind of extremifying it you know to kind of like yeah I I mean I which wish... which I think totally lose because again. And the original, one of the great things about it is the dynamic between Cooper and Ben and the relationship that they have and the angst and anger that they have and the power struggle that they have between each other because black is uh, Ben is black. A little Freudian slip there. <laughs> and um, Cooper is, you know, an older white man. Again, 1968, a lot of racial tension going on. So, you know, you get... You know, it's a great... The the theme it, is there. It's, yes, it's, the theme and motif is of race relations and it, control is there and prevalent throughout the entire film. And this, it's there, but at the same time, it has no meaning and resonant because it's literally taken from the original. And then they just add, like, fucking bullshit to it. And so it's nowhere near impactful. So, like, you're not getting the context from the original. Not only that, I don't think the dynamic between Tony Todd and Tom Towles, Tom Towles is n- nowhere near as like good as in the original. I think, and I and I think it's. Well, I don't think Tony Todd is bad as Ben, but I think some of the extra lines and stuff they give him the sameness make him a lot more unlikable, and and almost as much of a bastard. Is Harry Cooper not not as much because Cooper is literally the biggest bastard of them all still, but even still, like some of the things that they like have him Tony Todd as Ben do and say make him like wow he's kind of a prick too. Well, Whereas if- in the original, it, you know his stance is reasonable, cool headed, and Cooper's being you know I think paranoid that- and angry and compulsive. So when Ben you know had you know com- combats him it makes more sense and when he gets upset it makes more sense whereas in this it's literally like you're both being assholes cooper you're being a bigger asshole ben at the same time you're being an asshole too which i think part of the problem is so that whole whole focal point 
is li- it's literally the focal point of the original film. Because that's the whole idea is the zombies aren't the enemy. It's mankind's the enemy. It's its own worst enemy. The zombies aren't going to get mankind. It's mankind because they can't get along and solve their differences and et cetera, et cetera. And the race relation between the two and the dynamic between the two is the part, you know, the Bangkok in that uh, metaphor, that theme. Here, they t- in this film, what they do is they take part of Ben's calm-headed, cool-headed leadership and they give it to Barbara to make her your typical final female. So, in this film, Ben's losing part of his character to fulfill another character who, by the end, it's like, eh, who gives a shit? And I think that's the biggest flaw in this film is the way they kind of swap roles. And I think it might be because pe- people probably over the years bitch about Barbara being useless in the original. Like, oh, she's useless. Though it makes sense for her to be useless. They make her a stronger character in this film, but it's not enough to make anything, you know, her character change worthwhile. And at the same time, it's hampering Ben's character and how he's portrayed in this film. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and part of it too is that, um, and I, and I don't think, like I said, I don't think t- it's because t- Tony Todd's not a bad actor. No, I, I think he does a pretty good job. I think you're right when that they kind of make him seem a little bit more, um, unable to comply with some things that he, he, he does seem like he's being too pushy on Harry. You know, Harry's obviously not Sna- a, a, and not thinking right. Right. He's not a great person, but at the same time, Tony Todd is very um unrelenting and he he just will not see the opposite side that he wants to you know he and even when he sees that Sarah is in the basement and she's been bitten he's not really sympathetic to their cause and even kind of eyes the door that she's lying on like we could use that to board up the board up the windows um those kinds of things they kind of hamper Ben's character because we the original really wants to see Ben as the good guy who he is the good guy. Yeah, he mean, is the hero. He's the hero, and he, he an unfortunate, <laughs> a, tra- a very tragic hero too. <laughs> and and one which that's we'll get, and again, almost predicated by race itself. And I say not only that, like one of the best parts of the original film is totally lost on this film. Like, one of the best parts about one of the great things about the original film is not only that in 1968 it has a lead black male as the hero. You know, some people might go, oh, "What you know difference does this?" color of his skin may again if you think about the time period the film is made it's a big deal unless you're Sidney Poitier who was also at the same time you know kind of breaking down that barrier you know it's not it's not a big deal but at the same time for him to end you know die at the end unheroically tragically just because he was thought to be a zombie from like a mile away get shot in the head and he's thrown in the burning pile what a fucking terrible downbeat ending that is mm. but it's great i don't always want to leave this cinema like happy and like that what like it's fucking great mm-hmm. the film just ends ben shot in the head here's some still shots of you know these the posse r- rounding up zombies and then you get to see his body get thrown on like a burning sit up uh, pyre of bodies it's fucking great it's tragic down you know he's the hero he's the one survivor at the end and he's fucked mm-hmm. it's great that's why Dawn should have ended like on a tragic note like that too. Right. Would have been great. It's like can't win. You're fucked. Everybody's fucked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that, that 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 is a really strong moment in Night and they do they go for a different 
conclusion in this 1990 version. They go for your land of the death style. Yeah, they kind of... They Ron, kind of Ron Perlman War. I mean, war you, never you, still, you still get the downbeat ending that is basically human versus human standoff. In that Harry shoots uh, Ben and Ben shoots Harry. And it's like because they couldn't come together, they are the downfall of each other. At the same time, though, that ending with Ben is somewhat anticlimactic. And it's because they needed to split it with Barbara, who is also made becomes, it out alive yeah. and becomes the heroine. Um, and she doesn't suffer the repercussions of, you know, Ben's ending from the original because... Well, they got this. At least in this one, they're probably thinking, "Well, we gotta have a survivor. You can't end it with everyone fucking dead again." I think um, with Romero here, he was going. For, he, I mean, he wanted to go for somewhat of a different storyline for the end. And so when he allows Barbara to kind of sneak into this um, backwoods posse, and uh, shows that she's she's changed. She's she's different now that she's experienced this apocalypse. She's not the same Barbara that was She's not frightened and timid. She, you know, she's, she's a fucking crack shot. Yeah. And <laughs> she's she's totally different now. I think that that's him really being ham-fisted with the with the themes of the film because as we played in our opening uh, and I added the echo for effect, <laughs> um he's very explicit with the ideas of what he wants Night of the Living Dead to come across for its theme. And I think that's that's a mistake, for one thing, because there's enough here anyway without her repeat you know, saying the phrase, you know, it's uh, we are them and they are us. Yeah, but they they, they, they do have lines like that. Not as ham fisted, but they do in Dawn and Day they do have lines like that. Yeah, like, I, I that, I know that, they that, do, that yeah. allude to that. But no, you're right. Especially at the end yeah, maybe if it was like tacked on like somewhere in the middle, like when they're seeing them, like coming closer to the house or something, like kind of like in Dawn, like when like, why are they coming, th- like gathering around the small? Doesn't make sense. It's like oh, it's because they're us, they're, right? You know, right. Yeah. Think they maybe have memories or whatever. You know, that's more. I mean, that's still hand fisted, but it's also done. You know, part way through the film, so it's like you know, it's kind of like it's there. It's an idea. Little nugget in your brain. I, I would say it's, here it's literally at the end, so it's literally like you know again, it's like having Ron Perlman at the beginning and the end of a Fallout game, like war, war never changes. What? So it's literally here, mankind, they'll never learn. You'll fuck each other over and over again. Well, I think the bigger problem too is not just that she says that line, but that the film ends on a constant um, shuffling of pictures. That which co- is returned tr- back to uh, the original, and it's nowhere near the effect. It's not as effective. It <laughs> keeps returning to Barbara's face, you know, her, her, her like uh, her, her very serious stare to show like look how look how much she's she's different now. Like look how changed she is, and and how uh, jaded she is to uh, humanity now. Um, and I don't think it works because it's so overstated at that point. You know, we don't need seven shots of Barbara's very, very serious stare. It's like, no shit, you know, she's changed. Obviously, shit's not going back to normal. I would have rather had just (laughs) not even, like, their us and their them, but just her taking that last shot at Harry. When Harry turns around, it comes around the corner, he's not a zombie. He's not changed. Yeah, he survived. He survived. But she shoots him anyway because he's a bastard. It's exactly. I would have rather just had that and leave it at that because then that's a that's a very 
Um, have a still shot. The still shot. If you're going to do the still shots, then have the still shots being of his body instead of Ben's body. Exactly, being tr- because it's it's the same concept that someone survived and they got fucked over in the end. Except this time, it, it was it was by our main character who's supposed to be a hero and actually. Te- and technically, she's a murderer. As much as big of a bastard and an asshole Harry is, he didn't do anything. Like you know. Exactly. I mean, like you said, like look. I would have, if I was her too, I probably would have shot him in the head too. He's know. a woman beater. He's, yeah, he's a white, especially in this one. Like, in the original, he just verbally abuses his wife. In this one, he flat out, you know. But again, Barbara doesn't see that either. I mean, she doesn't really see the abuse. I know, but, we're, abuse. Oh, but at least we're privy to that info. So you, yeah. you can you can sleep sound. <laughs> you can feel okay with it. Like, she, ah, may have not, well. you, she may have not known that he was a wife beater, but you know. We do. We do, so yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like. So, no, that, I actually like that idea. That'd be like a great little turn on its head. If you're going to do the whole thing, you know, have it be him being, like, carried off at the end until still shots into, the, you know, the burning pyre. Because, you know, he's the one in the original that deserved to be thrown at the fire. You should we at the end, at the end of the original, we should have seen Ben walking out of the house with the posse. Like, hey, hey, we survived. And he didn't get that. Yeah. He, and you're, and you are right. His ending into this is so, like, anticlimactic, like. Just like, oh, he's a zombie because he's been shot twice. So the next day he's dead. And he, when they break into the basement, you see him at the stairs and he gets shot, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not it, really that meaningful. The only the only part about I told you, the only part I liked about that is that the, when he's sitting down there, he's listening to the radio, and he's kind of accepting he's going to die. You know, maybe, hopefully, he'll, he'll be able to survive, but he's probably not from his wounds. That they find the gas key down there. I like that part because it's downbeat again. You know, it's 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 because again, if they just worked together and fucking looked for the key like original, they could have got filled up the car, the truck, gotten out of there, and had a better chance at survival and meeting up with like this posse of survivors or anything. Yep, but they didn't. So I do like that, and I do, and I, I do think you know it's that is a nice touch and his reaction of him laughing like this is fucking great, you know. I, I, I do like that, and I, I, do, I think, though I don't think it's needed, especially in the original film, I don't think it's needed, because the subtext is already firmly there. I think it, yeah. uh, it's a nice touch to this film, at least. So, uh, how, so how would you compare it to the original? Like, do you, do you find this one um, as good as the original? Do you pr- uh, prefer the original to this one? I know that a lot of people, you know, like we, we talked about before, Bloody Disgusting has given this film a 4.5 out of 5. Well, from what I was reading online when it came out, terrible reviews. Yeah, the, I because when you said the 4.5 out of 5, I was kind of surprised because from my recollections, I thought that people were really not that enthused with it's this. It's got but... a better viewing, a better reception as years have gone on. It's yeah. aged better. And from what I will say... I guess we'll go into a rating now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll do it this week. Out of 10... Out of 10 Pittsburgh Steeler hats. <laughs> nice. Or, or out of 10 Pittsburgh Steeler and Stony beer cans. This film was brought to you by Stonies. That's right. Unfortunately, we don't get that around here. We had to... Which, before we even get into rating... They had a Jenny Cream Ale can on like one of the shelves that you yep. were pointing out, and I had to like have you rewind. Caught pause. it real quick. Yep, that's that's great. I love that. But um, I'll give it 
a seven. Because at least for this podcast, I don't like giving halves. I think I have, but I try not to. Uh, I would lean more towards a six and a half, but I'll, I'll give it a seven. Um, I don't. Th- I do think in certain aspects this film does a good job. I think Tom's the effects for this film are very good. I think it is a effective modernization of this film. I do think it's unnecessary to be shot for shot because. I mean, at least with music, when it comes to like a, a band like covering a song, if a band covers a song and it's almost like note for note, basically kind of the same thing, at least I'm fine with that because it's always going to be appealing to the ears. It doesn't work like that for film, though. You have to kind of do something different and do even better at it, which puts, I think, remakes at a significant disadvantage. I think in certain aspects, this film does, you know does better than the original. Like I said, the effects, because of the time period. I think, you know, and how it kind of looks in this shot overall, I think it looks better than the original, just because of what film at the time period was able to allow. However, I don't think... and I, I don't think the changing of character personalities in certain aspects works. I think it totally hampers the film. I think it totally, you know, with that also hampers the themes of the the original film, which is one of the main points of the creation of the original film, thus making this film kind of moot. However, though, I I think the acting overall across the board, outside of fucking Judy Judy Rose and uh, Helen Cooper, I think the act, you know, I think uh, Tony Todd and Patricia... Uh, Patricia Tallman and Tony Tiles. I think can do a great job. Yeah. Um. I I mean, so this is actually one of the weird remakes. Usually, remakes are very one or the other. They're either wow, what a great job. They you know, rarely it's in that category, but it's usually it's like wow, what a great job. You know, it was a good idea to do that. Oftentimes, it's in most times, it's in the why the fuck was this ever done? Mm-hmm. This is in the middle, like you can live with it and you can live without it. I can see the merits of Night of the Living Dead, though I don't like re- the idea of remakes that much. I can see it where, as a film, it would benefit more than some other films that have been remade over the years. And I think this film does enough different to be its own film, but at the same time, there's nothing really to this film. To make you ever want to go out and search for it. And that's probably why it's never made its way onto TV. Because why air this film when you can just air the original? Yeah, I mean, in the and public the, domain, it's much easier to And get. Not, only, not only that, but like you can literally, after showing enough times the original Night of the Living Dead, people are either going to finally accept it for what it is, especially in this time period, you know, this year, or they're like, it's not for me. And I don't think this film... Is going to do is not going to sway you one way or the other. Yeah, I think because it doesn't update the slower pace of the original, you're still going to have those people who are like, "Well, it was boring." You know yeah. what I mean? Even even with the gore effects, even with some more violence, you're still going to have that feeling of like, "Well, it wasn't scary. Um, it was kind of boring. The zombies were slow. It's plotting. You know? yeah. yeah, especially now as with after like 28 days later." The remake of Dawn of the Dead, you know, where you get, you know, faster zombies and 
that whole idea, which I don't like at all, but I mean... Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think, even in 1990, before that was a thing, before we had mm-hmm. a lot of faster zombies, um, I still think people who were not open to the original Light of the Living Dead because they felt it was too slow or that it wasn't really... Um, this isn't going to do anything. ...violent enough. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still going to have that feeling because... It it just kind of increases some of the gore effects and and actually um, changes some of the thematic uh, effectiveness of the film. So yeah, I don't think that this is going to sway a lot of people. You're going to watch it and you're either going to like it because it's similar to the original Night of the Living Dead, or you're going to watch it and you're still not going to like it because it is similar to the Night of the Living Dead. But I think I think if you like and love the original Night of the Living Dead, watch this. Yeah, I think, I think it has enough new things there that you'll appreciate. I think it... it you'll you'll it, like the, the, um, and how, the and, homage to the and not original. Like that, and, say, and not like that, this one thing you cannot hold against this film is, this is, you know, a lot of remakes are done with no love and no care to the original. This is obviously made with love and care to the original. Obviously, if George Romero decided to rewrite the script and have Tom Zavini brought on board to direct it, which I don't know if that was his first film directing or not. Um, I don't... I'm not sure. But... It may very well have been. So, I mean, like... Care... You know, at least love and tender care was kind of given to the... Was given uh, to the film. He actually did uh, a couple Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Well, this is his first feature film. Feature though. film, yes. So, I mean, you know, it was at least made with, you know... Tender love and care. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, like I said, that I said that before. It definitely does feel like an act of love, and and they wanted to kind of return to it and and do things their way, what they could with a better budget and with better effects and just more modernization. So I think if you did like Night of the Living Dead, you can definitely check out this film and you'll probably still like this one. And you you know this isn't going to be a film where you you watch it and you're like really turned off by it because it didn't hit the same notes as the original. It's it's right there with it. It's beat for beat. Um, it just it changes a couple things. And you may come away saying, I really didn't like that conclusion. That may be one thing that you get from this film where you're, you really have um, a dislike for it. But other than that, I don't think that anybody's really going to be hurt by watching this. So I think you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, I didn't get my rating yet, but I would, say, well, just, I would say probably about a 7 out of 10 as well. I, I don't think it is as effective as Night of the Living Dead, the original, even though it does up the ante for gore and, and special effects and things like that. Uh, I think some of the scenes like um, the scene with uh, Sarah in this film uh, are not as effective. I, as you said, you thought maybe they got rid of the trowel because it was kind of cheesy in the original, but I think it's actually pretty effective in the original. And a lot well, of people are scared of that scene still. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense though, because up, especially before land of the dead cut came out, there's nothing in the right films before that, that showed the zombies yeah. using any type of weapons to attack. So it's kind of like going back. So it's kind of like, so I was saying, so like, and this is what we were talking about earlier. Like the cannon doesn't make sense in the original. Like, so why is she killed Helen with the trial instead of biting her? They were retconning that a little bit. Is it's because of the, the reason is because at the time they couldn't do that. They couldn't show the effect of her, yeah, biting and you know eating Helen. I, by dawn, by dawn they could do that and effectively. So I I, I, I think, think that I think that totally has to do with just 
kind of a retcon of like, well, no, she wouldn't kill her with a trial because that's not what zombies do, especially in the beginning when they don't have... And they're they're hungry, so they, yeah. they're really more interested in actually eating things. So, But I, I do like that trial scene a little bit more in the original... Um, like they, s- they do pay homage to the trial too, because you do oh, see you, you do see it on the wall, and you see the blood splatter onto it. So it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like yeah, we know, you know. But that and that's one thing I do like about this film too is that Romero is kind of like winking at himself. There, he's got the naked zombie. Actually, he's got two naked zombies, so he kind of goes a little bit further than that. Um, and then he's got sort of like still he's still got the they're all messed up. You know, he's he's got a lot of that stuff going on. Um, so I like that. I like how he's kind of, you know, winking at himself a little bit. And it's, it's, it's a fun way, way to pick out, you know, oh, this was in the original. They've kind of di- done it a little bit differently. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's particularly as effective and that may just be, co- be because of nostalgia for one thing of just looking back on Night of the Living Dead and you're, you're kind of, um, you know, I, you know, perhaps people who saw 1990 Don Night of the Living Dead would be more, apt to say this one is their favorite as opposed to the 1968 version because they're that's just one that they know better i don't know but uh, so that'd be interesting too to hear from people whose first experiences with night of the living dead was actually the remake rather than the original i'm sure there are some you know people probably there's gotta be some but yeah i I don't think there's that many no but i would say that there's probably some who first experienced this and then were um you know, kind of disposed to go back and, and watch the original. So I'd be interested in hearing uh, about what they think about this film and comparing it to the original and what they think is better. Um, but uh, other than that, I would I would still recommend this film. I was expecting actually something a little bit worse than what, what I got. Uh, with Tom Savini not really directing that much, you, you're it's kind of like a crapshoot. Like, is he going to be... Is it going to be really poorly paced and, and, you know, off or, you know, does he do a good job with it? And I think he, for a uh, first time director, he does a good job with it. And he, but that's also because he's kind of got a blueprint too. So you can't give all the credit to Tom Savini. Part of it has to come from Romero as well. So, um, but yeah, other with, other than that, uh, this is surprisingly one remake that we've really enjoyed so far it as well, but um, it's a little bit different in, in that it's, more modernized um but obviously we're going to cover in remake ween we're going to cover more films that we we don't particularly <laughs> like as much uh which it, it kind of the fun of it for october which we're kind of saving like the best ones the you know and when i say best i mean the worst ones uh for october we know what sells that's right nobody wants so especially like a podcast like a video no. review nobody wants to hear like an hour of glowing like with well, this like, the, i like, loved it <laughs> red letter media and like uh that guy with the glasses didn't make their bones from fucking pre Just doing pre- like uh well that was great or not only that middling reviews yeah those are the <laughs> hardest to be honest with you the ones that are just like well you know it was, it was fine <laughs> and then you're like well what else do i have to say about it if uh, you're gonna do a middling review you have to kind of like blow it out of proportion like the yeah. things that you dislike and at the end you're like it's okay yeah right you gotta <laughs> you really gotta like go exaggerated you and people, hard, are, you people, hard are, sell. people are gonna think like well this guy really didn't like it and and it's, like, like, mm, it's mediocre <laughs> yeah. uh what's next week for us you want me to choose yeah We got two. Long silence.
Well, I'm just thinking. Cause I'm th- well, because I'm thinking of the ones that we discussed. Yeah, yeah. Um, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That'd be a fun one. I'm gonna have a lot of nostalgia with that one. That is a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a fun one. Um, what what an oddball one too. How many people do you see? See, this is, where, and this is also too. I gotta tune in. We're unique. How many people are going out there reviewing the fucking 2001 House on Haunted Hill, or is it 99? I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember, but I, I, that one I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I actually haven't seen that one in a little while. And so it'll be really fun to watch it because we also did the original House on Haunted Hill. We've got a theme going on. But the reason why we're doing these two that we've like recently watched and done on the podcast, you know, the original versions, is because that makes it easier for us to compare them too. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. We're almost doing like a... An, a secondary episode to that original film, and then was also ni- comparing it to the new film. It was ninety nine. So we're going. I feel like that was it came out in two thousand one. though. Going to the late nineties. That'll be fun. Stereotypical, you know, black rapper will be in it. I can't wait. I hope there's like um, Chris Kattan. You know why? Why he just somebody thought he was like a great. <laughs> role for this he's like you know who we need for this pre-corky romano when he's we still, need, when he's still chris, on snl chris Catan for this one some some casting director said that well it's kind of it's kind of like uh casting directors when they cast molly shannon in like random roles it's like i who, think she it, just it, like, like drops it, by their house until they say yes or the, is that like shows up to shooting at like the food court and like yeah. like molly what are you doing here like oh i'm in the role like no no, you're not. Like, and again, it's like, I, she, she, she won't, won't leave. leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're doing House on Haunted Hill next week. That is going to be a really fun one, so you won't want to miss that. Um, so definitely subscribe to us on iTunes, any other podcasting app that you use. Give us a nice rating and review. It helps us uh, stay motivated. <laughs> um, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Obviously, you can find our page, Blood and Black Rum Podcast at WordPress.com. We're also on Cult Exploitation Podcast Network at ColtSploitation.com. Um, we have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. You can let us know what you think about the show. Give us some uh, recommendations for films that we'll cover after Halloween because we've got a full slate right now. Um, and then also, you know, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. You can donate to us, uh, send us uh, any donation that you choose. Remember, that's a monthly donation, so don't overdraw on your account. We don't want that. Uh, we want you coming back for more, not not overdrawing. So uh, thank you for listening to our episode on um, Night of the Living Dead 1990. We hope you enjoy our remake Ween series so far. And we'll be back next week with House on Haunted Hill for remake Ween number four. So we hope you stick with us. And uh, hopefully you're celebrating Halloween already, even though it's only September. So uh, you have fun with that. And we'll see you next week. Take care.